Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. It is episode 163. It is the 15th of May. Friday show. Vibes are good. Uh, we start the Friday show with a bit of good news. And I mean, I my good news is I spent the morning watching people sit down, like on, on the news, people just sitting down having a coffee at a cafe for the first time in a month. And then this afternoon, I am just going to watch footage of people spending their afternoons and on a Friday at the pub. And I'm very happy that that is back in my life. Oh, it's a beautiful thing, James. I mean, the pub's an important institution in this country, not just for getting alcohol, but for, you know, seeing your mates. Yep. Nick Cater's got a good thing about, you know, the democracy of the front bar. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, on Sky News, like, I just before we started watching the show, I saw what could only be described as workplace bullying as Annalise Nielsen tried, just was pushing one of the reporters in New South Wales to try the cocktails of the bar she was reporting from. And the reporter yeah. going, like, I can't, I don't want to get sacked. And Annalise going, no, 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 drink right now. Yeah, yeah, classic toxic, toxic workplace behaviour, forcing your mates to drink. I, I'm, yes. I'm all against that, James. Uh, you absolutely hate it. So we've got a big show for you guys coming up today. We're going to be talking, we've got the quiz, uh, IPA podcast staple, Kian Hussey and Mitch Ablett, one of our Generation Liberty Campus coordinators. Uh, Kian Hussey, reigning champion as well, so looking forward to that. And then at the end of the show, Gideon, who we had on last show to talk about the new podcast series, A Heretic, which I'm just about to get into, he joins us for the draft, and we're, since that we're now... Because of uh, Daniel Andrews, our esteemed overlord, us in Victoria, we can't go to the pub, but we can have five people over to get on the beers or just have a dinner party with. We're going to be doing the, uh, like, you know, who, who's your five? Who's who's the mm. five people you've got coming over, alive or dead and famous, etc. Mm. No, that's a really right. good chat with Gideon. Uh, yeah, sorry, The Heretic, that is now out for IPA members. This is the podcast series that takes you behind the scenes of uh, James Cook's legal battle with James... Uh, sorry, um... Peter Ridd's legal battle with James Cook's university. James Cook unable to be reached for comment on the whole uh, mm. thing that's happened. But uh, Peter me. Ridd's legal battle with James Cook University. It's a really, really great podcast series. We talked about it with Gideon a lot last show. We talked about him with him again on this week's show. So I won't get too much into it. But it's available right now to IPA members only. So if you're not an IPA member, you're listening to this, you do want to download that podcast, go to ipa.org.au. We're running a special membership offer of just 55 dollars for non-members so you can get around the podcast as fast as possible check it out uh pete let's go to the number one story in the day and i know it's a friday show i know vibes are good i know i've been spending the last hour watching people at a pub but we do need to talk a pretty heavy story yeah think about this when you go to the pub this afternoon i sort of feel a bit shortchanged that i've got this absolute doom-monger story but that's all right that's the way it goes sometimes the abs uh, released their jobs figures yesterday, the April jobs figures. And we talk about this a little bit with Key and Hussey later, James, as you'll remember, because you were there. Uh, the unemployment rate is up from 6.2%. I, I do remember it well. <laughs> uh, up from 5.2% to 6.2%. The underemployment rate, which doesn't sound like that bad. I mean, it sounds bad, but it doesn't sound as bad as it actually is. Because yeah, because under- you were like bracing yourself for like a 9% or 8% based on what everyone was predicting. So when it comes in at 6, it's like, oh, this is good news. But as you're about to tell us... Yeah, that's that's right. The under underemployment rate, so that's where you're employed but you'd love to be working or you'd like to be working more, is up from eight point eight to thirteen point seven percent. This is the highest underemployment rate ever recorded since the measure began in nineteen seventy eight. And there was a nine point two percent decline in hours worked for the month. So that's the equivalent to a loss of two hundred and fifteen thousand six hundred and fifty eight full time jobs. It has affected young people worst of all. Some nine hundred and fifty two thousand nine hundred Australians aged fifteen to twenty four are now 
now either unemployed, have simply given up and left the labor force or are employed but cannot work the number of hours that they would like. So that's almost a million people, which is incredible. And that's only age 15 to 24. Uh, and 72.5% of the labor force are employed by the Commonwealth and state governments. Um, so employed by the government receiving the job keeper, job seeker unemployment payment or the job keeper wage subsidy. So three quarters of the of the Australian labor force effectively working for the government. Yeah, and that kind of backs up what the IPA polling has been finding recently of the amount of people out there that have had their hours cut or wage cut. And it's really grim, but it's so important to talk about because the recovery is going to be long and hard from the economic effects of coronavirus. And it's going to be a lot longer if, Three, nearly three quarters of the Australian population is being subsidised by the other quarter. So, you know, the government can only hand out money that it raises off private sector. So if only 25% are working in the private sector or aren't on JobKeeper or job subsidy, it's so much harder to pay for that 75%. That's exactly right, which is exactly why the state and federal governments have to get Australians back into work, start easing the lockdown restrictions where possible and making sure safety is still in place. Cutting red tape and carving small businesses out of the Fair Work Act. We spoke last week about Chin Chin, how they are able to stay open as a takeaway venue. They're a restaurant in Melbourne and Sydney because of labour law relaxation. As a result of the pandemic, that has got to stay in place for the recovery and forever as well. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, There's a whole month. If you're listening out there, you want to know more about this. There's so much work over at ipa.org.au about this all. Some really great work by Kian Hussey, who's on later on the show. Kurt Wallace as well. Dan Wilde. It's all fantastic. Uh, The other big story, if I can move on, Pete, to... We do want to mention we want to work. Oh, we do. Yes. Good point. So We Want to Work is a new video out by Gideon Rosner. You would have seen his uh, Begin to End the Lockdown Now video a couple of weeks ago, which was massive on Twitter. Uh, is it? It's By the time you listen to this podcast, We Want to Work, his, the new video will be out and it's about it interviews for Australians who are out of work and would like to be working. Yeah, really great video. Uh, friend of the show, Julia Sikulic, who was on uh, two weeks ago or so, she's on the video talking about her experiences as well. And yeah, you can talk about the numbers of underemployed and the people, the hours have been cut back, but you know, each number in that is a story. And we mm-hmm. wanted to highlight some of those stories because they're real people being terribly affected by some of these measures and we need to help them. That's exactly right. And I think like the free market side of politics has historically not been as good as telling those human stories, putting the human face to the to the numbers. So we're going to fix that. Yeah, well, we've sure. been fixing it, but... Yes, and now we have fixed, fixed it, and now it's good fixed. Uh, <laughs> all right, so moving on to another story uh, that definitely isn't being fixed anytime soon. So Virgin Australia went into voluntary administration, and we talked about this on the show. Peter only gave me 30 seconds to explain why it was important, and I'm telling you what, <laughs> it's come back as important again, and this time I'm going to ask for a few more seconds than 30 to talk about it because Queensland government has announced it's going to bid for the ownership for the embattled airline in what it calls Project Maroon. Maroon, Maroon, Maroon. I always I get actually that don't word know wrong. what. I don't know what you're trying to say. What's the word? So the word is M A R O O N. Oh, Maroon. Maroon. I always say Maroon. The color. It's Maroon Five, but uh, Maroon. So Project Maroon is Queensland government announcing it's going to bid for the ownership of Virgin. This is a bad move, if I can, Pete. Yeah, okay. I want to come back to that name of the project in a sec, but tell me why it's a bad move first. So, it's a, well, it's a bad move because uh, wine governments should, like, governments are just notoriously bad at running anything. So, why should they be able to run an airline? You can talk about how, okay, so 
there is the argument that Australia does need two airline carriers because if we only have one, we're going to have bad service. Uh, which I'd accept as a good argument a bit more if there were absolutely no bidders for bidders for Virgin, but it came out on Monday that there were 19 potential buyers going over the books as of May 11. Now, today's the last day you need to get your bids in, but if there's 19 people going for Virgin, I don't think the Queensland government need to go, well, we need to get involved because clearly something's gone wrong here. Yeah, exactly right. This is if we talked about what the government should do to get people back in work and get the economy going again. Buying companies is not one of them. No, that uh, was very not on my list. That was in the don't do list. I think the thing you didn't talk about then, which you talked about last time, which I loved so much, was cabotage. Yes. Give me some cabotage chat. Well, some cabotage chat. So if anyone uh, really wants to sit comfortably in their chairs, because it's about to get some very in, uh, great radio in here. But cabotage <laughs> is basically, uh, I mean, you can go to ipa.org.au and it will be explained much better and more succinctly than I'm about to do it. But it's basically the laws that govern what, uh, who can run airlines or stuff in Australia. And, you know, as a free market guy, I don't really think it's that important who runs an airline so long as they run. And when these things are there and they, you know, protect Aussie jobs, I don't think they do because Virgin Australia was already owned by so many overseas companies in the first place. So yeah, go to the website, check that out. Didn't know I was going to launch into cabotage 15 seconds ago. So I'm a bit rusty on the whole thing, but it's a really important thing. And the other part it's led to is now a war of words between Peter Dutton and Cameron Dick, who's the treasurer of Queensland. So Peter Dutton absolutely slammed it. He said, Premier... Premier Palaget has almost bankrupted Queensland and is now in the middle of crisis. They want to buy an airline. It's laughable. She leads a government which is corrupt and chaotic. And then Cameron Dick, the Queensland Treasurer, shot back saying, look, mate, just stick to cruise ships, which is a reference to Ruby Princess, which, again, like, I don't know how many people are still on Peter Dutton is responsible for Ruby Princess. I thought that moved on quite a while ago, but apparently the barbs are still being thrown. Uh, yeah, just the Queensland government should not be owning a f- airline. That's exactly right. And I didn't realise, as you mentioned before, that they were calling it Project Marone. That's just like, oh, well, Queens- <laughs> if you don't know how to say words, but if the- it's just like, oh, well, Queenslanders love Marone, like the rugby, the rugby league team's Marone. Let's just call it Marone and then people will love it no matter what. Like that's, I mean. Really- I can't be criticising that too much because of how desperately I want to join the Wolverines based on name alone. That is true. I didn't consider so that. I think I that know. does stuff works. It would work on me. If it was Project Yellow and Black... I, it might be a bit harder for me to swallow. This is you're the problem, mate. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be. I gotta get trust learned. myself a bit more. Uh, all right, so we'll now go on to likes and dislikes. This is what we do on Friday show, as opposed to the heroes and villains of the week. So, Pete, what have you liked this week? Well, my like this week is a person that uh, has polarised us on this show over the journey. We've we've praised him, we've bagged him. I'm going to make him my like this week, and that is the absolute freedom warrior that is Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Uh, new father. Uh, we talk about that a little bit later on the show in the quiz. Now, Elon had Elon Musk had a battle with Alameda County. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Correctly in California about reopening it's, it's his Tesla factory. <laughs> about reopening his Tesla factory. They said, you know, you're not allowed to open it. And he said, well, I'm going to open it on Monday, and you can come and arrest me if you want. He said, please arrest me and not my workers. So he put himself on the front line there, and they backed down. They just said. They had a, they had a, so he said he was going to open. They had a further negotiation and they allowed him to open with further safety measures. He was already going to have safety measures like masks and temperature checks, but they added a few more, which is, you know, maybe fair enough. So Tesla's Fremont factory, which produces its Model 3, Model S, Model X, and Model Y cars, whatever that is, 
which employs 10,000 people, opened up. So credit to the county for changing its mind and for Elon Musk for standing up for workers and for people that are struggling. And he might have seen the IPA's We Want to Work video before it was out. Um, so Elon Musk is very like up to date with technology. I'm not oh, putting yeah, that past him. You got right. You got. You couldn't. You couldn't say that uh, isn't true about Elon. All right. Uh, I think this is like the first of many stories we're going to see on this one because there's so many U.S. states that, it, like California, is announcing a lockdown into July. There's so many states that are recalcitrant uh, on lock, uh, ending the lockdown. And there's a lot of businesses that want to get back to work. So I think a few other businesses are going to take the Elon Musk method of like, we're going to do it anyway, come and stop us. And mm. maybe other governments would come and stop them because they don't have the same like uh, social media influence as Elon Musk. So very interesting one for the first time. I wonder what's going to happen in the next couple of months. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it pans out. It's a bit different over there. Like I couldn't see that happening in Australia, but in, in, in the mighty US of A, someone just goes, I don't know. Open it anyway, mate. If everyone else is enjoying pubs except Victoria for another month, I think we'll be seeing a few pieces of civil unrest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my like of the week is Bridget Fantasy, friend of the show, her article in The Atlantic. Uh, scary time for young people out there all across the world. I mean, America, they're coming up to where they would traditionally graduate and these graduation ceremonies taking place in just people's houses and it's just weird and... You know, we'd have a lot of listeners to this show who are in year 12 right now or in the final years of uni and you didn't quite imagine this year going like it has and it's a pretty scary time. Anyway, uh, Bridget Fantasy, she writes in The Atlantic on how her own dreams of graduation sort of changed when they did back uh, way back when. Hers was a result of uh, substance abuse rather than coronavirus. It is such a great article. If you are worried about the time, this time and what it's going to mean for your future, I recommend it so highly. So Bridget Fantasy's article in The Atlantic. I didn't get to graduate either. Check it out. I read it as well, independently of Bolt. I just came across it as well, and it's a really good one. She's she's very interesting and interesting writer, and she was a good interview. Maybe we should get, get her back on the show, James. Yes. Uh, all right, let's move on to dislikes. Let's get into the negatives. Okay. <laughs> Pete's favorite More place. Que- <laughs> yeah, exactly. More Queensland bashing. That's what we need. So Janet... Jeanette Young has served as Queensland's Chief Health Officer since 2005. In fact, she's the longest-serving Chief Health Officer in Australia. Now, this story is a couple of weeks old, but it's sort of just—I just noticed it uh, yesterday, I think—and it's a really interesting one. She sat down with the Brisbane Times for a profile, and to be honest, she came across as someone who seems like a nice lady who's doing her best, and um, and um, it wasn't—I like, like, I found myself reading it and liking her, so. It's not like she's a bad person or anything, but there was something that leapt out at me, which I absolutely made my blood boil. She said, this is a part of the profile. She says, while evidence shows schools were not a high-risk environment for the spread of the virus, closing them down would help people understand the gravity of the situation. And the quote, if you go out to the community and say, this is so bad, we can't even have schools, all schools have got to be closed, you are really getting to people, Dr. Young says. So sometimes it's more than just the science and the health, it's about messaging. It's about messaging. You're closing schools, you're putting a hole in kids' education, you know, massive strain on parents for messaging. Like just hire a comms person if you want to get the message out. And so it's, it's just, it's unbelievable that she's basically admitting that they didn't need to do it. And they're just doing it just so people know the like people are so stupid that they can't understand information if you just give it to them. If you just tell them the truth, they're too stupid to make a decision about that for themselves. Yeah, who goes people who saw the footage coming out of Italy at the height of their crisis, or the fact that this nearly killed Boris Johnson, who would have unbelievable access to healthcare, 
Like, who reckons people saw that and they still need to know this is serious? I know there's, like, you know, 5G Tower people out there who aren't going to be told anything. But, like, the average Australian is knew that coronavirus was a problem. You didn't need to make their lives a living hell by having <laughs> their kids at home the whole time while they're trying to work just to get it through their thick skulls. Hmm. Yeah, exactly right. People are like, oh, you know, why don't people trust experts anymore? Like, Trump voters don't trust experts. Anti-Brexit people don't trust experts. Quite Australians don't trust experts. It's stuff like this. This is yeah. It's stuff like this. And the secondary point is that it's not just that they think people are too stupid. It's that they come from a worldview that is never questioned. That it's perfectly appropriate to a consider citizens to be stupid and b for the government to just order people around on a whim and not let people make the decision for themselves. Like the reason she thinks that is because no one's ever said, "I don't think it's appropriate for us to just tell people what to do." And she probably, she probably got taught that at university, as we, as we always say. Uh, it goes back to the universities. So it's just that worldview that creates all these experts who come up with the same measures all the time. And then the last part is the damage that a political decision from a health official does to future health announcements. Because now anything she says or any measure that she takes, is there's always going to be the voice at the back of people's mind going like, hang on, is this actual health advice or is this messaging for a different bit of health advice? Yeah. Why can't just tell people the truth and let them make up their own mind? That is the job of the bureaucracy. My dislike of the week is another example of people uh, thinking down on people. Now, CNN having a town hall coming up on the coronavirus pandemic called Coronavirus Facts and Fears. Now, Pete, I'm going to run through the people that are on this panel and one of them is not going to be like the others, okay? And I reckon if you really listen closely, you might be able to pick out who it is. So the panel includes CNN broadcaster, neurosurgeon and medical reporter Sanjay Gupta, former Health and Human Services Secretary Kathleen Sibelius, former Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Director Richard Besser, and then climate change activist Greta Thunberg. I think that that guy that ran the uh, disease center, he doesn't sound like he's qualified for for the panel. (laughs) I mean, look, I'm not going to turn this into uh, anti-Greta Thunberg. Again, she's a teenager. I'm not going to make fun of her for uh, you know, wanting to save the world. The problem with uh, this for me is what is CNN doing inviting her on? Like, yeah. uh, she, no one at CNN would actually believe that she's a genuine expert on coronavirus. So like, she's now taking the place in this panel of someone that would genuinely have things that people need to hear to say. Like... That, that's a voice that doesn't get said just because you want to get Greta Thunberg on. And if she's not an expert, you bring her on because she's ratings gold. And how stupid do you think your audience is? That no, they, like, they weren't going to tune in to hear an expert panel on the number one existential crisis of our times. But the second we get Greta on, okay, I'll close down American Dad. Now I'll tune in and get informed about coronavirus. I agree. You're right that it's not her fault. She's just, you know, she's asked, so of course she's going to go on. But it goes to that thing about you know there's oh why don't they trust the mainstream media why don't they trust cnn it's like you've got this 17 year old activist on to talk about the most serious crisis we've faced in decades that's why yes uh and they know that she'll say something sorry they they, they know that she'll say something that'll go viral exactly and then there'll be the backlash everyone will be like greta's this greta's that and then there'll be the backlash backlash oh a bit jaded gee that was a bit jaded wasn't it uh, I think it was accurate as well. They made you this jaded. I don't want to see Pete this jaded, but they made Pete this jaded. And I'm fighting. Come on, it's a Friday. I also am going to slap myself on the wrist for being a hypocrite because I <laughs> just did that as my dislike and I'm three weeks removed from uh, pounding my fist on my chest because Vince McMahon was on the center to, uh, was on the uh, what, committee to reopen America. 
Who's Vince McMahon again? I like the CEO of the World Wrestling Foundation. <laughs> and that was a like. So if I if I was like that was the greatest thing in American history, I can't then hit CNN over the head for the greatest. So I'm a hypocrite. I'll say it. But were you serious in that, or were you just like wrestling? Because there'd be people I, like, I was just be like, like, "Are you seriously need to hear from Greta?" I okay, no, I didn't think the people needed to hear from Vince McMahon. I just liked the fact that he was there. From the fact that I just like things that happen that are funny. Yeah. Just okay. Like, to have five medical experts and then a guy that got beaten up by the Undertaker in a hospital. See, if this character was on the panel with CNN, you'd be make you'd be a like, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, because it'd be electric television. You never know. Yep. What if he throws a chair? So anyway, maybe you are. Uh, let's now go to uh, the quiz with Kian Hussey and Mitchell Ablett. Okay, loaded episode of the quiz this week, Peter, with the uh, very <laughs> nice cough at this side there. Very loaded quiz this week. Uh, great panel of people. We have returning champion, research fellow here at the IPA, Kian Hussey, coming to us from the office as well, which is a bit of a flex. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> and uh, speaking of flexes, we have one of our Generation Liberties campus coordinators, Mitchell Ablett, on the show in front of a very flexing bookshelf, which I like. <laughs> Great to finally make an appearance on the show. Yeah, Ooh. this one's exciting because uh, Mitch, uh, uh, tell people what you were able to do at Generation Liberty O Week, which was absolutely awesome. Uh, so, I mean, we had about 60 signups all told, um, and it was, it was uh, I had the help, thankfully, of Chris Decker from QT because unfortunately, as uh, we probably all know, he wasn't able to have an O Week stall. Um, and so between the two of us, um, we just got down and into it and um, basically wouldn't let someone leave until we got them to sign up so long as we thought they had the slightest interest in the topic. Uh, and it worked really well for the two of us. Mitch, when you said just then, great to finally be on the show, was that like a sort of underhand sledge at me and James for not having you on early? Because that's what it I felt mean, like a little bit. You're, you're welcome to take it that way. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Um, so... What else is going on up, up there? You, you were on Viral Banter just before, weren't you? Why don't you just give us a very quick rundown of today's show and um, give us a bit of a plug. Yeah, so we're, we're very lucky to have Gideon on the show. Uh, he, entertaining as always, but uh, he was talking about The Heretics, the IPA's new podcast, talking about Peter Ridd and the fallout from what happened to him. Uh, and then we kind of delved quickly into um, uh, the SAF allocation at unis and wasteful spending um, and... Uh, some bad habits that we've all been developing throughout the coronavirus. Just quickly, just quickly, do you want to tell us uh, what just the listeners who might not know what SAF is and what SAF stands for? Yeah, so it's the compulsory student um, contribution, which uh, is distributed between the uni and the student unions um, for providing services to students outside education that we have no say in. Yeah, uh, for our high school listeners, SAF is going to become very quickly one of the most annoying things in your life. So hopefully we can get that uh, taken away as compulsory uh, before you get there. Now, Kian, research fellow here at the IPA, the guy that's been helping put together those amazing uh, COVID-19 economic updates. Big day for it today with the ABS data coming out. We're recording this on Thursday. What did you make of that all? Yeah, so uh, last month when the uh, unemployment numbers came out, people were uh, a little bit... um, Probably disappointed is the wrong word, but maybe surprised uh, when we saw lines around the um, Centrelink offices and it, it didn't seem to be that a 5.2% unemployment rate was the real experience people were having out there. Um, today, the official unemployment rate came out 
um, and it's only increased by one percentage point, so 6.2% unemployment. Um, but what that kind of masks is that a lot of people have simply given up and have just left the um, labour force. So to be counted as unemployed, officially, you have to either be working or look or actively looking for work. Um, and what we kind of saw was a, an exodus out of the labour force. So almost 500,000 Australians have completely given up on, on even trying to find a job at the moment. So, yeah, very big day, lots of numbers to look through. Um, and we see, again, which is uh, expected, um, that this has had a, a disproportionate impact on younger people. So those in the 15 to 24-year um, age group had a, um, a much larger increase in unemployment and those over 55 as well. So, yeah, very big uh day. Yeah, uh, so yeah, make sure you're keeping up to date with Kian's stuff over on ipa.org.au and check out Viral Banter on the Generation Liberty Facebook page and on the Generation Liberty YouTube channel. Really great show and uh, I've loved watching all of them. Now, final question for Peter without notice. Ooh. With Kian in the office and Mitch in front of a very uh, nice looking bookshelf and you in front of what appears to be a basketball ring, do you feel intimidated? Oh, look, I don't feel intimidated. I don't feel the need to um, sort of big note myself with a fancy background. I would point out that to my employers, I've just noticed my computer in the background actually has Facebook open. I am working. Uh, I have to contact the Generation Limited coordinators a lot, and that is primarily done through social media. So don't sack me. Yep, and I've just noticed that I've got a uh, deodorant behind me. So let no one think I don't do this podcast smelling like roses. So. We've got uh, nine questions, and then we've got a who am I, one point on for correct answers, one point off for incorrect answers. Mitch, it's your first quiz here, so make sure like uh, your name's your buzzer kind of thing, and uh, I guess we'll get straight into it. Now, the first two numbers, uh, sorry, first two questions, not exactly the most fun facts out there, but these are numbers that absolutely everyone should know, so know them. Uh, so, first question. What percentage of the labor force are directly employed by the Commonwealth and state governments yeah. or local camp? Oh, oh there that we go. is... That's Ken wrote that report, didn't he? So, Ken. well, I don't know if you have this latest number that we're putting out today, which is 72.5%. Uh, that is correct. Trust me, I am the all-seeing eye on IPA Slack. <laughs> Nothing I was gets really, by me. I was really hoping Bolt would have the wrong number then. <laughs> uh, too much. did not. Uh, so that is a percentage of the labour force either employed by Commonwealth, state or local councils, receiving job seeker or job keeper. So 72.5%. Again, not the most fun fact out there, but just to give an idea to people about what's happened to the private economy in Australia the last couple of weeks, like that is a sobering stat. All right, question two. Uh, today's ABS data on jobs we just talked about with Kian had the underemployment rate at the highest it's ever been. What is it? Closest Once to the mark. Again. Oh, closest to the mark. Underemployment. Let's go closest to the mark. Yep. Underemployment. And did you just say it was the lowest it's ever been? Highest it's ever been, yeah. Sorry, yeah, that would be right. Highest it's ever been. Okay, It'd yeah. It would be almost... amazing if it was the lowest. <laughs> It'd be truly well, incredible. As, as Ken said, if people are just leaving the labor force, they can be underemployed. But roof, roof. I'll have the first guess. Um, underemployed. And at all age groups, not not young people. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I would say underemployed would be, well, 20%. All right. Anyone? No points off. It's just closest uh, to the mark. Anyone probably else want to jump slightly in? higher, maybe 27, 28%. All right. Ken? I He's definitely should one. know this because I've been looking at these numbers for a few hours today, but honestly, I can't remember. Um, All right. Sorry. I, I, I'm going to go with 24%, though. 
All right, Peter Gregory gets it, 13.7%. Peter Gregory, yeah. the Rope Seal, the, uh, who now becomes, by right of King of the Hill, I think IPA's chief economic spokesperson. So <laughs> until someone's able to dethrone him on an economics question, you're heading up that department. All right, uh, so <laughs> this week saw uh, Alan Jones, you know, broadcaster extraordinaire in Australia, announce his retirement. How many surveys in a row had Alan Jones been the top-rating breakfast show in Australia? Mitch, we'll go closest uh, to Mitch. Oh, oh yeah, I, I thought it was two twenty-six. I was going to go closest to the mark. No one's getting closer than that, okay. which is uh, exactly correct. I was sorry, one point each. No, you were not. Uh, absolutely not. All right, question four: Who is replacing him? Roof, 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 roof. Ben Fordham is correct. So ben Ray Hadley. Yes, Ray Hadley won't be too happy with that. He was long rumoured to be the guy taking over, but no. Uh, all right. Were we in Question- discussions, James? Were we sort of throwing up the flagpole as a possible, you know, youthful direction for Alan Jones? Uh, I tried to work the numbers. They wanted a different bolt. Uh, up to people to decide who they wanted. But question five, which friend of the show has uh, drawn the ire of China and the University of Queensland in roof, recent roof. weeks? Roof, roof. Senator James Patterson. Uh, you know, I'm going to, uh, because I said University of Queensland, I'm, I'm sure Pato isn't exactly a friend there, but it's not the person I was looking for. So oh, one so point You were looking for Gideon then? I was not looking for Gideon either. Oh, no. So very Kian, particular. Were you looking Kian. for, for our very own Bella? I was Bella not looking Cabrera? for Bella either. Though oh. I'm sure Bella, Bella's article would have been read by both. Not the person I'm looking mm. for. The person I'm looking for, Drew Pavlo. So fun fact, he was actually a friend of the show for like, 10 minutes interview and uh, now he's popped back back into the news cycle. So that was a decimator to people's scores. I think Pete is now leading on one with everyone else on zero. So everything's still to play for. All right. Uh, which restaurant is linked to the latest coronavirus cluster in Melbourne? Cam. McDonald's. There we go. Uh, can't remember, but uh, just somewhere in know, North Melbourne. Yeah. Don't, don't stop. <laughs> It'll take a lot more than coronavirus to get Peter Gregory to stop ordering Maccas. I don't know North Melbourne Maccas. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'll still go to Maccas, so I don't know. All right, uh, question seven. Hong Kong is making it illegal to boo what? Roof, roof? Roof, roof. Uh, Protest. Uh, No, you can still boo protests. Sorry, point off for Pete. Damn it. Hong Kong, illegal to boo what? What'd you say? Boo? Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear that. Okay. So I'll blame the internet for that stupid question. Uh, stupid, stupid answer. Um, well, I'm not going to keep answering because I'm just burning through my points here. All right. Fair enough. Anyone have a guess? We'll move on All to the right. answer. The Chinese national anthem, now illegal um, to be booed. Which, ooh, uh, wow. There you go. Uh, is pretty concerning. All right. Uh, quest- they're still democratic. It's okay. Sorry, dude? They're still democratic. It's okay. Yeah, no. It's fair enough. Uh, all right, so question eight. Which, what date will Victorian students be allowed to start going back to school? Kian. Kian. 26th of May. Is correct. All right, Kian, two-point lead on Mitch and Pete. Last question before we get into the who am I. Elon Musk has announced the actual pronunciation of his baby's name. How do you pronounce it? <laughs> all right, uh, Mia helped me out with the quiz today. She might be uh, selling me up a river with the answer to this one. I probably should have double-checked, but we're going to continue on. How do you pronounce it? I've oh. heard it, but I couldn't possibly repeat it. <laughs> oh, I've got no idea. I don't know. Well, I heard him explaining it in parts, 
but he didn't yeah. say the whole thing altogether, so I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, so like the surname is his favorite plane model? Yeah, the Archangel 12, the precursor yeah. to the SR-71. Yeah. So you know that, but you don't know how to pronounce the first name. <laughs> Apparently. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn. If only I asked that. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, the answer is X-Ash. X-Ash. Why did he just write that with letters? Yeah. We'll never know. Uh, all right. Sorry. Who am I? Sorry. Just score check. We've got Kian on two. We've got Pete on zero. We've got Mitch on zero. All right. Who am I? I died 42 years ago this Friday. Ooh. Anyone want to guess for five? 42 years ago? This Friday. 42. That's 1978. Um, yeah, I don't know, James. All right. For four points, I was knighted in 1963. Knighted? Yeah, still don't know. All right. No one's guessing. No one's guessing. Three points. Uh, Mitch and Pete need to get it on this one to be the undisputed leader. Otherwise, Kian's going to get it in the playoff. At least gets into a playoff. Three points. I was a Australian political figure or just Australian political giant. Roof, roof. Roof. Robert Menzies. Is correct. Peter Gregory wins the quiz. Well done, Pete. Well done. There you go. Yeah, well done, indeed. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Alright, uh, cool, sorry uh, Thank you very much for joining the quiz Kian, Mitch, sorry you weren't able to get on uh, over on Pete So to keep up with Kian's work Make sure you go to ipa.org.au Make sure you're watching uh, Viral Banter Generation Liberty's Viral Banter On the Generation Liberty YouTube page And the Generation Liberty Facebook page Keep up to date with all the good work Mitch is doing And I think if you're just in a 25 kilometer radius of Mitch at any time, then you can probably consider yourself a Generation Liberty member in waiting just on how good he is on the membership trail. So Mitch, great work. And we'll have you guys back on soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. All right, congratulations, Peter. Big win on the quiz. Uh, I always love a Who Am I uh, come from behind victory when oh. someone's been leading the whole time and then, you know, like uh, Harry Potter catching whatever that thing is in Quidditch. The snitch. And just winning the... Yeah. By the way, sorry. Uh, unplanned rant. That's the stupidest rule in the history of any sport device. Was, like, that whole Quidditch that. match is... Like, the whole thing comes down. Everyone else is irrelevant except the person that catches the snitch. I was just about to say Like, there's that. no score you can put up quick enough that uh, undermines the importance of catching the snitch. Yeah, the whole game's pointless. Yeah. Like, I think theoretically you can get so far ahead with the goals that the snitch doesn't matter, but why would they catch the snitch if they knew they'd lose the game? So Exactly. J.K. Rowling has a very good imagination, but she should have thought that through a bit more. Needed a sport expert in the room. Uh, right. <laughs> all right, uh, Pete, let's get back to the show. You have a new segment for us. Yeah, new segment. We always like a new segment. We sort of thought Pete's not fine. Actually, couldn't find much this week. Uh, Pete's not fine worldwide, so we decided to scrap that. New segment... It's called, and this is a working title. Which, you didn't have to say that. <laughs> no one made that? you say we didn't find a good story. We could have just not had the segment. But then people will be like, what happened to the, you know, people want to know All why right, Pete's enough. not fine. Not. Now, this segment is called Empty Talking Points So Ridiculous It's Impressive. Empty uh, Talking Points So name. Ridiculous It's Impressive. It, but it potentially needs a bit of work. So if you've got a better idea, write in. But the person who... So what, what this is, is because with talking points that people spew out, and I was going to say the left spew out, but I suppose everyone does, that are clearly stupid and they need to be called out for that. Called out for that, to use the, the call out phrase. It's slightly different from Q&A. Don't get it confused with Q&A clap. Q&A clap is like, I think it's really bad that 
people die and then everyone claps. This is like a talking point that's clearly not true. You, do you understand what you've got a quizzical look on your face, James? No, because my difference is uh, this would be something that if the Q&A clap is something that you say on Q&A and everyone claps, this would be something mm. you would say on Q&A and even the Q&A audience is stunned into silence about how stupid and innocuous that was. Potentially, I'm not. I'm not sure they would with this particular talking point. Uh, talking point. So I think, we'll have to. I think even they would be going. Oh, I don't. I don't, I don't know about that one at all. Well, the first person we're going to do is Anthony Albanese and Saul. Roll the tape. They have slashed funding for the ABC, invaluable during the pandemic, and absolutely pivotal, literally to keeping people alive and safe during the bushfires. Obviously, Anthony Albanese there is arguing against cuts to the ABC because bushfires, because pandemic. Now, the services provided by the ABC which deal with keeping people safe during bushfires would be like 2% of their budget. There's no reason why the ABC has to have increases in funding every year forever because of something that takes up like 1% of their budget. You know, like the rest is Q&A, Media Watch, Virginia Trioli, all the rest of it. Absolutely no reason why that has to take the funding. And I'll do a deal with Anthony Albanese. I can't make a deal on behalf of the IPA. It's above my pay grade. But I can make Anthony Albanese a deal on behalf of Peter J. Gregory. And that is I am happy if we uh, keep funding the services of the ABC that keep people safe during bushfires. Because I don't want to live in some libertarian hellscape, James. I don't think the government should do nothing. But we privatise the rest. If we do that, we can double the funding for the bushfire stuff and privatise the rest. I don't know, Pete. When I look back on Australia's bushfire crisis, I will always reflect on the tireless efforts of Charlie Pickering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Uh, yeah, the, the, it's just... It's, it's like that one, oh, you know, renewable electricity is the cheapest... is the cheapest form of electricity. It's just like... That's just not true, Elbow. Anyway, that's it, mate. That was that's just a supplementary comment so stupid. <laughs> like, they, out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's oh, absolutely so drive-by shooting at the renewable industry of Australia. <laughs> Yeah, renewable energy is the form of, cheapest form of electricity. Like, it's clearly not. So how can you say that? Anyway. All right. Uh, next story we want to talk about. This was one of the long-running subplots of Victoria's lockdowns was Sam Newman wanting to play golf. So golf famously banned, golf and fishing famously banned in Victoria uh, for reasons never quite clear from a health perspective, but they were banned. And Sam Newman became the voice of the Australian golfer saying, I want to play golf. When will you let me play golf? Daniel Andrews, let me play golf. The man would finally play golf. And to me... It was the highest stakes moment in Australian sports history. The build-up, the anticipation, what was on the line. I mean, Sam Newman skied it off to the right. Daniel Andrews would have declared it a public holiday. A bit of public holiday that no one could have gone out to celebrate. Everyone would have had to stay indoors. But it would have been the best day of Daniel Andrews' life if Sam Newman screwed up that drive. So what happened? Uh, I only saw the swing, but it just seemed to be a very regulation swing. There you go. So they, so the media were there. So he was under the pressure, under pressure. Yeah, because Sportsbet like co-opted it into a whole marketing thing. So <laughs> there were cameras there. Well, I'm sort of disappointed to know he didn't like completely miss it or something like that. Maybe he's a good golfer. He has played like professional sports, so he probably dealt with the pressure. All right. He was right though. Like he was the archetypal angry man, angry old man, getting angry about something. But he was like completely right. Like there's no reason why he couldn't play golf, and like thousands of people could have kept working in their jobs in the big golf industry. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not a massive golf person myself, but... I've little. I've never played around. I've played mini golf before, and I will throw down at a mini golf court, but uh, I've never played golf. 
You would be so crap at mini golf. Nah, it's all about the angles. I'm like, you know, I've been watching so much Jordan documentaries where he's like racking up $55,000 debts on a golf course. I could do that on a mini golf course, but you know, it'd also be mini amounts, like $5.5. Just dollars. Just compared yourself to Jordan casually. Yeah, as I will. I've been saying, <laughs> I am the Michael uh, Jordan of this podcast. All right, uh, Pete, last segment we've got. Uh, last segment we've got another new segment. Pete's headline of the week. So this will be an intermittent segment. Basically, whenever some, a paper around Australia, all the world, but probably mostly Australia, comes up with a really good headline. And let's face it, it's going to be the NT News most of the yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to say, it needs to be bonus points for not the NT News. <laughs> yeah. So if there's any, if there's any, there's a couple about, yeah, if there's any not in NT News, they'll get bonus points. Now, I'll just read it out for you. This was today's newspaper in the NT News. And it's actually like, 50 words because they've gone, they're so up and about about the fact that they can open froths. So I'll give it to you. For the first time in 53 days... There might days, be ter- more words in the headline than there are in the entire paper. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, it's a wordy headline and not a wordy paper. So for the first time in 53 days, Territorians can go back to the pub from midday for a few beers and a chicken schnitty without a stupid 10-person rule. Why? We're only a third of the way through. Because we're the safest place in Australia. Are we going to rub salt into the wounds of peasant southerners? Too bloody right we are. And then in massive letters, screw you, we're having a brew. So, unnecessarily aggressive. No, unnecessary. Sorry, if you're the first place in Australia, uh, if you're the first place in Australia to get back on the beers, you get to crow as much as you want about it. I'm fully in support of this headline. The other thing that I've, that sort of, I thought about when I saw this was the Shinidi reference. And the thing is, they're not allowed to just froth away. They've got to, only allowed to drink with dinner. So how many orders do you reckon there'll be of like, right, I need three beers, two wines, a cider and a schnitty. And then like 20 minutes later, the next bloke goes up and goes, I need three wines, three beers and another schnitty. I want to Everyone- know like when those, those things coming in of like, oh, we might have, like these pubs might introduce limits on the amount of pints you can get just so they can get people revolving through the door. Like how many people are turning up with seven costume changes and fake mustaches? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Uh, I've never been to the Never Never James, so maybe it's time to visit. Maybe we should go there for end of season trip. Yeah, well, we're going to smuggle ourselves in the keg convoy with Gideon, as discussed uh, late. No, in Tuesday show, in, we've had a lot of Gideon on this week's show. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, now the problem with that headline today, this came across was uh, someone complained over to the NT News on Facebook. They sent them a private message. Your beer headline has been reported to Facebook as it goes against Facebook policy related to hate speech and social case, uh, or oh, cast, no. rather, uh, Maroon. And uh, perhaps a more professional approach would be a smarter idea. Now, all I have to t- say to that commenter is, Dr. Annalise Van Diemen, get back to work. <laughs> that is very Annalise Van Diemen. What is that? What's the cast bit? Uh, is that? Oh, yeah, that's a bit rough. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I am a, a southerner, and yeah. I'm probably like at some point descended from peasants, so <laughs> I think it's pretty accurate. And yeah, tell them to. It is overly. I still maintain it's overly aggressive. No, nah, I'm sorry with the NT News headline. The first, no, just, if I was the first person in Australia allowed back at a pub, if I'm not calling people peasants, then I'm not doing my job correctly. So this is the difference. I'd just be happy that I had a bloody froth in my hand. I wouldn't well, to compare to... myself to Jordan for a second time in 10 minutes, <laughs> it's not enough Let's... that I win. Everyone else must lose. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, we'll see. We'll, surely there'll be more of these. So next time one of those comes up, we'll see if they keep being aggressive or if they... Line up a bit. 
Cool. That is it for this week's show. We now go over to the draft with Gideon Rosner. We're drafting uh, people to, uh, in Daniel Andrews' own words, get on the beers with uh, at a dinner party of five people that we have to our house. So stick around for that. Make sure you're downloading The Heretic. If you are an IPA member, go to ipa.org.au for all the details. Check out the We Want to Work video that is pasted all over our social media channels. So check that one out as well because that's a really worthy product that we've been doing. Uh, and... Yeah, see you guys next week. Have a great weekend. Okay, last thing on the show this week, uh, the quiz quickly becoming, look, I'll say it, one of my favorite segments. Uh, we're getting a lot of good feedback from it. Oh, yeah, the draft, my bad. I love the quiz, but I really love the draft as well. Uh, so we got Gideon back on the show, uh, who is on the media tour for the Heretics. So, Gideon, welcome. G'day, great to be back again. So Heretic uh, now out for IPA members as as they listen to this podcast. Uh, I know we just had you on the show like two days ago to talk about the Heretic, but like a bit of a, you know, like uh, I, when your project finally, the thing you've been working on for so long, when it finally gets out there into the public, massive thrill, right? Oh, it, it is. I've been working on this thing for the better part of a year. I mean, not constantly uh, on and off, but I started a year ago and it's great that it's out. Again, if you're not a member of the IPA, you should be anyway, because uh, as Chairman Dan would say, it's the it's the right thing to do. But um, uh, yeah, it is out for IPA members. Uh, for, for those that didn't, didn't tune in last week, it's the it's sort of an insider's account of uh, Peter Ridd's sacking about uh, and his fight back in court. And um, our digital team have done a really really good job of making it into a really engaging uh, product. So uh, yeah, definitely tune in. Of course, if you're not a member of the IPA, head over to the IPA website and that we have 12 months, a special membership offer, 12 months for 55 bucks as a result of Gideon's awesome podcast. Now, you've got another video out in the next few days called We Want to Work. What's that all about? So this was because uh, I've, I've released a video uh, with the, you know, for the IPA um, at the start of this lockdown saying we need to end it and it just went off like a frog in a sock on Twitter and, and everything else, as you'd expect. So this is hearing from real people, not a fake person like me, a real, per, you know, real people who've been, uh, you know, a, a terrible story. I mean, we had, um, we've got a bloke who has a cooking oil collection business in um, Queen, uh, in the central coast of New South Wales, who's seen his business try up. We've got a student who lost her job as a barista. Uh, we've got a real estate agent who's seen all of his commercial clients just completely destroyed. Uh, and his business obviously, obviously suffering as well. We've got an airline pilot who's with 33 years experience who's been made redundant. Um, I think a lot of the time, you know, we, we hear terrible statistics about unemployment and those are really, really bad. But we also need to look at the stories. Each one of those numbers is, is a real person. And as bad as this virus is and as dangerous as it is, I mean, I'm not one of these people that's, you know, said it's all a hoax or a flu or something like that. Um, there is an equal and opposite pressing matter of real people whose lives are, are on the line here and uh, um, it's great that we were able to that these people came forward and agreed to appear on a, on a video but that we can tell those stories it's uh an, again a great asset that we have in our team that can put that together via yep. zoom as we found yeah, out so you, uh upcoming project check it out uh on, on our social media channels i could be wrong here but that barista that lost their job might be friend of the show julia sikulich yes she was on your show yeah she's yeah. um i think she's a gen lib member as well Yes, uh, sorry, that was a really good interview a few weeks ago, if people remember that, and uh, yeah, so check out the video, because uh, absolutely right, it's the message that we need to be getting out there. Uh, now, to the draft. So, 
our esteemed overlord Daniel Andrews has finally let people have uh, five people over to their house after a fair bit of uh, heel dragging. Now we're all in Melbourne. Uh, so Pete and I thought this week's draft would be fine if we could figure out like who are the five people that we would bring over. So you know the the dream dinner party, the five. Uh, we'll go around the circle. They can be alive or dead. I think Pete said no relatives as mm. one of the rules. Yeah, like I don't want to sound like the person that's banning, you know, Grandpa Bill or whatever, <laughs> but it has to be a famous person. Uh, so yeah, that's that's one of the rules. And James, also, you you had a party last night, didn't you? A five person party, is that right? Uh yeah, just uh, it was a good time. Someone shaved their head. Things got a bit out of control. It was, <laughs> you know, just good to see the boys again. Oh, they stole my betting heart. Yeah, uh, we'll get we'll get back to regular transmission schedule soon enough. Sorry, dinner party. Uh, Gideon, as guest of the show, we'll give you the first overall pick. Yeah, I lo- and I love this question, too. I always like playing the hood you have at a dinner party game. So, And my first go-to answer is always uh, Anthony Bourdain. Sadly, dead, not living, taken before his time. But uh, Anthony Bourdain was a celebrity chef, but also uh, you know had a, a travel show about going around the world cooking his final series on CNN, where he used food as the prism to tell some wonderful stories about uh, the world, and uh, he'd be a great guy at a dinner party because he is a vain, sophisticated, uh, one of the probably the coolest person to ever appear on television anywhere ever. And being a chef, he you know you might be able to get him give him a few drinks and encourage him to get behind in the kitchen and uh, whip out some some entrees. So uh, yeah, Anthony Bourdain, number one pick. Outstanding pick in my books, that one. And just like the thing about Bourdain was when he travels to places to learn how to cook, he's not got, he doesn't just go to like five star restaurants. He also goes to like some pretty interesting like places and learns from real people. So you just think the stories that guy would have had by the end of it would have been out of control. Correct. And if I could just add also, this is something that his style I always really admired. He went to these places and he would eat weird things, you know, pig intestines and dog. And, well, I don't think he ever ate dog on the show and things like that. But, you know, things that are unusual. But he managed to show how unusual these foods were without being disrespectful to the culture that they were derived from. Um, and I think that's a really good skill as a, as a storyteller. T- um, to not, And he never demeaned any, any culture in any place either, but he still was able to showcase the quirks and the funny side of it. So, uh, you know, really... I mean, I, I thought that people who, you know, uh, used to say how shocked they were at Coco Bay and stuff like that were full of it. But when Anthony Bourdain died, I, I couldn't speak for a good two hours. I was really, uh, yeah, uh, not well then. But anyway, so he'd be, anyway, Anthony Bourdain, number one on the ticket. All right, fair enough. Peter Gregory, pick two. Yeah, I'm going to take this in a slightly different direction from Gideon. My first pick is Winston Churchill. So the most oh, outstanding figure call. of the 20th century. People describe their restaurant bills as Churchillian if they have a real crack. So, and obviously would be fantastic company. Uh, sort of doesn't really need one to be explained that much, but yeah, Winston Churchill. I'd like to ask, you know, when you said we'll fight them on the beaches, were you secretly thinking, gee, we're in big trouble here? Or were you pretty confident you're going to get out of it? So yeah, Winston Churchill. Uh, yeah, uh, completely awesome pick there as well. Strong, strong first round. All right, uh, my two... Uh, 
people that know me for more than 45 seconds have heard me talk about these two people at length, so no surprises to those close to me. But my first two picks are going to be Conan O'Brien and Dave Chappelle. They're both hilarious. They both are actually interesting thinkers as well. They have a deep knowledge. They've got great stories. Uh, The only problem is, like, I've listened to so many interviews with them both that I've heard literally every story they've ever told. So there might be some struggling for new material, but uh, I'm sticking with it in any way. Conan O'Brien, Dave Chappelle. Conan O'Brien's a brilliant one. I grew up watching Conan O'Brien and his his comedic style. Again, a very decent sort of a bloke. Never is never no never any mean or derisive humour. Just a really, really. In fact, he's he's really just self deprecating. Yep, just silliness, and it's the best. Yep, correct, correct. I don't know about. Uh, that. I think it. Oh, I'll tell you jokes, mate. <laughs> oh no! You could no, ask no. anyone in the whole world, and you've asked a couple of comedians. <laughs> yep. I stand by that. Pete, you make me yeah. laugh. You make me laugh. Don't get me wrong. Peter Gregory knows how to make me laugh. You're not going to know Brian or Dave Chappelle. So I'm going to um, go with, I think it's my turn now. I'm going to go oh, with... Oh, no, sorry. No, back no. over to Pete, and then uh, you get two in a oh, row. Oh, back over to Pete. Is it? Oh, yeah, sorry, we go sorry. snake draft. Snake draft. Don't get oh, lost in the Oh, got it. Okay. As you were. Right. Peter Gregory. Uh, all right. Now, I'm going to go with one here that is might be a little bit controversial. I'm going to pick... G- not far. <laughs> not far up. I'm going to pick Jesus Christ. Oh, God. How's that controversial? Everyone says that one. <laughs> Dude, I, 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 thought it was, I thought that I was thinking outside the box. Just to, you know, because Jesus Christ definitely existed. You know, the question is whether he's the son of God or not gets pretty hotly debated. But even if you don't believe in God, it's still clearly defined civilization for, you know, the whole world for a couple of thousand years. Any worry and about language barrier? Thought they all knew English. He would know how to specify because <laughs> he's because he's God, uh, and we should have specified that at the start of the show. I assume they'd all be able to. Get I just on. thought I'd throw you a curveball. Something uh, that uh, I didn't think no, they should uh, be able to. There should be some magic machine because otherwise I can only speak English, so I don't. Think no, no I think I think Andrews would let people bring in an interpreter in the interest of cultural, you know, um, sensitivity and stuff like uh, that. But more to the point. point. The thing good about the thing about Je- Jesus is, um, you know, it, it, he'd be the best person to have at a dinner party because if you ran out of wine, you just have to turn the tap on. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. Sorry, right. To my, sorry to my Christian friends. I mean, no disrespect. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're so, not beating that one. Good. So, Gideon, two in a row. Oh, two in a row. Okay. So, uh, in the same vein as you, James, I'm going to be extremely predictable and say Hunter S. Thompson, uh, one of the greatest journalists to ever live. Probably wouldn't like my politics all that much, but uh, is a writer that I, you know, read over and over and over again. Uh, and uh, for reasons I won't go into on this family-friendly podcast, he would be a lot of fun at a dinner party. <laughs> Secondly, I think we all knew exactly what you meant by that. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll leave that to others to judge. But uh, secondly, I would go with Alan Jones, um, a bit closer <laughs> to home and somebody known to us. Um, you know, as sadly, has announced his retirement from radio this week, uh, so. He'll have a little bit more free time, but also, firstly, he's you know Australia's greatest living broadcaster and a hell of a guy, and really one of the the most generous and sweet guys you'll meet. Um, but also, he's great lunch company because a few years back, back uh, a few of us from the research team, as I was, then went up to Sydney to have lunch with Alan Jones. He took us out for lunch and took us to this wonderful restaurant in Sydney and just had us all around the table in this sort of semi-private room. And asking us what we thought about X, Y, and Z, and telling us a few of his stories, and, and just a, 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 a raconteur par excellence. So, uh, Hunter S. Thompson and Alan Jones, as strange as that combination may be. Here's my question for you Who gets the last word when they get into an argument? Oh, <laughs> God. Those are two balls that aren't backing down. Go so that's Gideon. Hours. 
Yeah, I'll be correct. But, yeah, well, that's right. Then you'd have a hurricane. And the rest of my picks as well. So uh, yeah, it'd, be, it'd be raucous. I'd get a few noise complaints from uh, the neighbours in, in this towering inferno that I live in. <laughs> All right, brilliant. Back over to Pete. Yeah, so this is another controversial one. And uh, it's not someone who I admire, obviously, but I would love to invite Hitler to dinner. Oh, my God. This is the most stereotypical dinner party it's a very David Brent approach to this draft. I'll, I'll say I'll say that off top. I'll say that. I off thought top. I was thinking outside the box. I would just because obviously Hitler's nah. you know arguably the most evil person that's ever lived, and it, you'd like to see that evil close up. And just you know, there's all these theories about you know why he did what he did, and it would be interesting to sort of get your own take on it. But I'd also love the Churchill Hitler banter, like Churchill oh, going. You know. He'd be talking mad trash. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Je- and Jesus, and Jesus <laughs> as well. Throw, throw, throw Christ into the mix. Um, That's ex- I agree, though. Um, and I obviously have, uh, you know, a- ample reason to not like Adolf Hitler. But uh, uh, but I-, I watched a series last night, actually, because I'm thinking a lot about the interwar period and the instability of the time between the two war- world wars because of the time we're in at the moment and what the parallels are. So I'm reading a book about, but I also watched an old miniseries called Hitler, The Rise of Evil, which came out about 15 odd years ago. And it's Hitler's life from birth until he becomes Fuhrer of Germany and talks about his rise and how he actually did it. But also the, the acting is absolutely superb because how can you show a human side to Adolf Hitler? Um, mm. And there's this actor, I don't know who the bloke is, but gave this brilliant performances, somebody who's human, but still unspeakably evil, just a detestable person, but a human person. So yeah, seeing... What, what the real Hitler was like, as, as gruesome and as terrible as he is, yeah, I'd be, I'd be all about that. I've got to say, if I've got to pick five people, I'm not going to spend uh, one of the seats on someone I'm just going to scream at for the entire night. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to move on to my ones. Uh, I got two in a row here. So, like any insufferable person in his early 20s, I've always daydreamed about living in 1920s Paris, which is going to inform my next two picks. Ernest Hemingway and Gertrude Stein, two of the most influential people in American literature. Nice. I love I love Hemingway's books. Gertrude Stein, the editor extraordinaire, uh, someone who you know knew Hemingway, knew F. Scott Fitzgerald, knew all these people, able to tell stories, drink wine, talk literature. Uh, it's going to be a great time. So Hemingway and Gertrude Stein. And Hemingway liked to in- drink too. Oh, Hemingway knew how to drink. Why is that insufferable, James? I uh, just you know. Like, anyone that's going to pick those two guys is going to give you way too many reasons why to pick them, and I understand literature on a more serious basis than you do stuff. Okay. It is who I am, but I recognize the person I am as well. So you, you want to put out a disclaimer that says you're not saying that to sound sophisticated? No, I. It, it's more like I, this is genuinely what I want, and also I, I know what that means. Like, I know the person I am because <laughs> I want that. <laughs> Oh, I don't like, think it's I, that. I hear me too. I, I don't think it's that. Uh, I mean, Hemingway's a, Hemingway's a fair pick. You didn't say some like dead, you know, microbiologist from Vienna in the 1800s or something that nobody's ever heard of. Hemingway's a pretty accessible reference. So don't, don't right. be so hard on yourself, James. Uh, if I knew how to do that, I'd tell you. But uh, <laughs> back over to you, Pete. Okay, so this one's a bit of a, um, a bit of a self-indulgent one. Uh, I'm taking Thatcher. Because I, she's just, I just love her so much. She was just that, you know, the Falklands are part of Britain. Of course, we're going to invade. Uh, and, and the other thing about Thatcher I like as well, which I think would be good for me, is because, you know, she'd straighten me out a bit. She, you know, she told off Reagan when Reagan said, maybe you shouldn't invade the Falklands. She told off George Bush. She said, you know, don't wobble, George. 
I can just imagine her saying, you know, you've got to go harder on your podcast or you've got to work harder. Are you making something of yourself, young man? You know, I'd like that. Your uh, dinner party would get super contentious very quickly. <laughs> there's a lot well, of, there's a lot of uh, a, fiery orators. In, there's a bit going on. You know, what I'd like, you know what I'd like to see? An argument between Winston Churchill and Margaret Thatcher about who was the better Prime Minister. They could have a yeah. PM off. But, but best British PM. Lord uh, Palmerston. And also... <laughs> And also to see the personality, like would would Mark, would Thatcher end up alphering Churchill, or would it be the other way around? Oh, I reckon it potentially yeah. would. She's I reckon both would walk away claiming victory. Yeah, oh, but Ch- Ch- Churchill was a bit, a bit of a gentleman, though, so I reckon he'd uh, take a bit of a, a bit of a dip touch. Or they'd, they'd probably get along, or maybe they'd be too similar. Who knows? Yeah, I think they'd unite against a common foe. <laughs> Literally, one in the same room. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Gideon, last two picks. Last two picks. Okay, so uh, getting a bit off, a bit uh, away from the beaten track here. One is Fifty Cent, the rapper, because okay. firstly, him singing uh, in the club a cappella would be mag bloody magnificent in real life. It would just be this beautiful, beautiful, sublime experience. Um, but secondly, Fifty Cent's a very interesting character. He's not like other rappers who are a little bit two dimensional. You know, they and I, I'm not a huge fan of the rap genre at the best of times. But they were all very bling-bling, you know, and gangster and everything else. 50 Cent had a, a backstory where he was actually from that. And the reason I'm a, a fan of him times. particularly... So was very, yeah, nine times. It was nine times. Nine times, yeah. On the, eve, on the eve of the release of his first album in 2000, and they had to can it. So he fought back on the streets by distributing mixtapes. And then he was discovered by Eminem and the rest is history. But the reason I love him is I read a book about him or co-written by him and a bloke named Robert Green a few years ago called The 50th Law, which is telling 50 Cent's life story, but also encapsulating his sort of amorphous life philosophy, which is basically fear nothing. And it goes into a bit about what he did and how that worked and everything else. But uh, he's a he was a very, very calculating, impressive, or is a very impressive sort of a character. So he'd be uh, great to break up the, you know, motley crew of politicos and everything else. And my second one, would have to be Nigel Farage. Um, I went to see him when he was in Sydney, brought out by the Patriots at Penthouse Magazine. He um, <laughs> was the most the was the most electrical speaker I've ever heard. And I went, I got to go backstage and hang out with him and you know thirty or so other people afterwards. Yeah, we uh, he, had your interview with him he, on the show. Yeah, I got the interview. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I um, shoved a microphone under his nose and he was perfectly polite, gave me an interview just like he would give to you know CNN or something. But he's also a bit of a lad as well. He was back there with a cigarette and a glass of wine, just having a laugh and everything. I reckon he would be uh, the best dinner company going anywhere ever. Yeah, strong picks. Uh, a fun, because it's come up, a fun Google is the beef between 50 Cent and Floyd Mayweather. Uh, oh, I haven't seen that. Is really fun. So Floyd Mayweather, boxer, uh, always been the long-standing rumors that he can't read and 50 Cent, not a big fan <laughs> of him and uh, just constantly chirps him about that, just saying, like, just get someone to read this for you whenever he throws down a diss <laughs> at him. It's, it's, it's some pretty funny stuff. Uh, all right, Pete, your final pick. Well, that's a good choice, uh, Gideon. And I think my, my list is pretty heavy. I'm not going to lie. It's a heavy list. There's not much... So uh, many bulls. There's so many bulls. It needs a little bit of a light-hearted fifth guest. And I love sport. We know that. There's no sports people on the list at the moment. And I want someone who's, who's had a few stories, who's a great sports person and can tell a few stories. 
And I feel guilty about not picking him in my team to face the aliens. So I'm going to pick SK Warren as the fifth guest with Jesus, Churchill, Hitler and Thatcher. Just to lighten things up a bit. Tell a few stories about when he was on tour. You know, the is, time it, is it Shane Warren? Shane Warren, yeah. yeah. So oh, Shane... yeah. I, I've like watched half a game of cricket in my entire life, but I'd love to hang out with Shane Warren. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And he'd obviously be great fun. Yeah, uh, I don't think his about... best stories are cricket related. <laughs> he's, got some, he's got some good cricketing stories, but he'd have some terrific non-cricketing stories. So, yeah, Warney's my final pick. Uh, okay, my last pick. Uh, sorry, I've just lost my list here. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Uh, my last pick, Christopher Hitchens. Uh, you know, very good uh, conversation. A bit of politics as well, a bit of culture as well. Uh, love to just pick his mind about that. Uh, there's now the growing camp in the IPA of Christopher Hitchens is the inferior Hitchens, and I'm still not over the line on that one. I'm Ooh. still Christopher till I die, but uh, Christopher Hitchens, that's my last pick. What? See, my problem with that is, right, wouldn't you choose if... He's, he's a commentator, right? Would that be fair? A commentator? Yes. Wouldn't you prefer someone who's actually a player? Uh, nah. I'm a, I'm a commentator. Why, why, do, why do I want to be intimidated by a player? I've got a, a bunch of commentators. Co- commentators are the best. Yeah, no, commentators are the best. Commentator until I die. Lose. Uh, commentators right. have nothing to lose. Players are protecting their reputation. So, yeah, commentators all the way. Okay. Uh, all right, fair enough. So, draft's done. Any uh, notable people that didn't get picked for you guys? Yeah, or I've, last? I've... I've I've got some honorary mentions just because of what they'd bring to the table, uh, metaphorically and literally. Uh, I'd pick Paul Murray because he'd bring cigars. Oh, I'd pick, pick James Morrow because he's he's James Morrow from Outsiders and, and a few other and from the Daily Telegraph. He's he's got some sort of smoking meat contraption that he's sharing over Facebook, so he'd bring that and make us some smoked brisket. And of course, my political man crush right now, I would bring Michael Gunner because he'd bring the kid convoy. <laughs> How can I forget Gunner? Oh, Gunner's a gun. Uh, uh, Peter Gregory? Yeah, I was thinking about obviously just going in a completely different direction and getting like Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher just so they had a massive blue and there were punch-ons <laughs> and things like well, that. Well, if you've got Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher and then Shane Warne, if anyone can save that relationship just yeah. to get those two people to check some egos or Thatcher to just go, guys, put your heads together. Thatcher would be good for those two. Love thy neighbour. Yeah, Jesus could be good for them. Uh, or Marilyn Monroe, just to find out what really went on. Oh, right, nice. yeah. Uh, ones I had uh, from the comedy things, I was also thinking Howard Stern and Chris Farley, just two of the funniest people, and uh, Howard Stern as well, great interviewer, so the conversation's always going to be good. Uh, my most out there pick, I nearly picked him, the guy that was in the Filipino jungle for 30 years because he thought World War II was still on. Awesome. I just want to know what that guy's story is. I just yeah. want to know, like... Tough sell to have him in the mix after he's told that story, but I just think you're there for that story. What if he's like, it was just really traumatizing. I don't want to talk about it. I, I just you, want to know. It's just such a part of round. my life. I'm just like, what was going through the guy's head? How did he do it for 30 years? Uh, now, last thing I want to do before we end the show, uh, I've spent a lot of my day today, just on one of those days where you're waiting for people to email you back before you can uh, move on to things. So I've had a bit of downtime and I thought, I am going to make... Pete and Gideon's list for them now. <laughs> oh, sorry, cool! I, I nailed some of my picks here. I've got to say, and yeah. I'm pretty happy with it. So, Gideon, your list was Anthony Bourdain, Hunter S. Thompson, Alan Jones, Fifty Cent, Nigel Farage. Now, when I was thinking, what would Gideon have? I had Charles Bukowski number one. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, that uh, was too predictable, but that's that would be my number one, my eternal. 
Then I had Hunter S. Thompson. So I know yep. you well. Then I had Michael Gunner. So oh, <laughs> I uh, then then put Tony Abbott. I thought Tony Abbott, like oh, you've got yeah. a big affection for Tony Abbott. Yep, he's good company too. I like hanging out with, with Mr. Abbott, yep. And, and I don't know why, but I think you're a Sylvia Plath kind of guy, so I put her number five. I actually haven't read any of her stuff. Uh, it's I on think, my list. I, th- I think uh, you'd get around it. All right, and then Pete, for you, yep. I had uh, Thatcher and Churchill. I thought you were going to pick those two. You did. Really? I know my Peter Gregory well. I also <laughs> had Noel Gallagher, who was your six pick, so I'm, I'm chucking that as a win. And yeah. then the other two, I thought uh, we were going to get a bit more into sport. I thought you would have had George Best and Steven Gerrard. Well, George Best would be good value, but he did play for United. And Stevie G, as much as he's a legend, I reckon Stevie G, and this is absolute sacrilege, is a touch boring. Like you don't you want know, to know a few stories from the change rooms at Istanbul that fateful day? I reckon he's the kind of guy that... You know, wouldn't drink before the game. Bit of a coach's pet. Like as much as he's like amazing footballer, but I mean, I would, I would like to have dinner with Stephen Gerrard, James. Like that's not a bad choice. I think what struck me about this one is I, you know, after choosing Farlap and you know picking myself to represent the planet, I've taken this very straight. I've gone for big guns. I reckon yours. This might be the worst draft you've done. (laughs) I think. Tough, tough love, but this is the worst you've done. It's got Jesus. It's got Jesus, mate. How could you say? It's just rough. It's Imagine, rough. Anyway. Oh, uh, well, look, yours would be great. All these jokes flying around. You know, you can have Jesus and <laughs> oh, Hitler and Churchill. Really but to me. Oh. Uh, well, don't want to have fun at your own dinner party. All right. Uh, Gideon's the busiest man in Australia. This is absolute babble, and it's getting in the way of him talking about the heretics of the people that need to hear about it. So, Gideon, thank you so much for joining us. We'll let you go. Always and, a pleasure. Uh, Thanks, guys. So, make sure, yeah, Heretic, if you're an IPA member, that is now out. You can go access it on our website, uh, but only if you are an IPA member. And uh, then if you're not an IPM member, it's out later publicly. We'll obviously be talking about that when it is. So see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.